Disclaimer, no lettuce was hurt in the making of this sermon, nor this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is titled Lettuce and Other Heart-Healthy Habits by Nate Damon, and was based on various selections from Hebrews. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. I'm not Pastor Greg. Sorry to disappoint, uh, but welcome. Um, I am a dad, though, and so um, my kids are of the age where they, they're appreciating dad jokes. Okay, so I want to try a few on you, see what you think. Uh, here's one. Uh, air used to be free at the gas station. Now it costs $1.50. You want to know why? Inflation. I like this one. Uh, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, here's my favorite Bible joke. What did Noah say to his three sons as they were fishing off the ark? Take it easy, boys. We've only got two worms. Okay. All right. You want to hear my pizza joke? Never mind. It's too cheesy. All right. All right. So, um, Here at FBC, we're in a sermon series we're calling Habits of the Heart, and specifically we've been looking at idolatry and the subtle ways we can be drawn away from fulfilling our true purpose in life. And what is our purpose? As one well-known summary of Christian beliefs states, it is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Worshiping anything other than God, even good things, is like putting gasoline in a machine that only runs on diesel. It's going to work for a minute. And then you'll need to call the mechanic. Don't ask me how I know this. Today's message is titled, Lettuce and Other Heart-Healthy Habits. And first of all, full disclosure, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not trained as one. I'm not actually claiming that lettuce is good for your heart. It might be. I think it's good for your digestion, uh, something about fiber. Um, But I am a dad and recognized by the IRS as a minister of the gospel. So what this title is meant to do is to help us remember that there are three lettuces in Hebrews 10 that help us to live a more spiritually healthy or heart-healthy life. So before we look at these, let's pray, and then let's look at what makes these three things accessible to us. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who created all things, and you know us. Right now, you even know us inside and out. You know what we most need to hear from you this morning. And we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given to us words from the prophets, from the apostles. You've given us your words to us to help you, to help us to know you, to help us become more like you, to help us experience life in its fullness. So God, we ask for your grace right now as we look at the scriptures. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? Even now, God, open our eyes to see what you would want us to see this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so three heart-healthy habits, the three lettuces of Hebrews 10. Here they are, there are three of them. Let us draw near to God. Number two, let us hold to hope. Number three, let us encourage one another. So three, let us draw near to God, let us hold to hope, let us encourage one another. But first, let's look at what makes them accessible, possible, practical for us to have as heart-healthy habits. Okay? So, I want to start in verse 19, but verse 19 starts with the word therefore, and Pastor Lily reminded us last week 
that whenever we see the word therefore, it is good literacy, liter, uh, good literacy, literary, literary practice. I don't know. It's good literary practice to pause and ask the question, what is this therefore, therefore? And so I'm going to just briefly summarize Hebrews, and we'll, we'll soon get to uh, verse 19. But the, the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. The author is unknown, but it was likely to have been written before AD 70. So probably between 30 to 40 years after Jesus' ministry, his execution, his resurrection, and his ascension. Hebrews was written to exhort the recipients to remain faithful to Christ and to demonstrate how Jesus fulfills and supersedes the old covenant. Along the way, the author is referring back to the laws and the rituals that his audience was familiar with, and he's referring back to their scriptures, what we call our Old Testament, and helping them to see how they were pointing to Christ. Here in Hebrews 10, he refers back to Psalm 40 and also to Jeremiah 31. So we're going to pick it up with verse 15, where he's uh, he's talking uh, about Jeremiah. So uh, this is in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and in verse 15, it says this, The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the new covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. This reminds me of what God says in Ezekiel, when he goes a step further and says he's not just going to write his laws on our hearts. He says he will put his spirit in us and move us to follow his decrees and to be careful to keep his laws. He's giving us a new heart with the capacity and the ability to keep his laws. And he's giving us new power. He's giving us his spirit to empower us and enable us to do what he asks us to do. So let's go back to Hebrews 10, verse 17. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. What if we really believed this? What if we really did believe that our sins and lawless acts were no longer remembered by God? What if we really believe that we are forgiven? I'm not excusing our sin to make light of our sin. The stupid things we do are offensive to God. And when we don't do what we ought to do, it is a violation of our personhood. These very much matter to God. But what I am saying is that apart from Jesus, who is our atonement, our access, our advocate, we cannot approach God without fear. But with Jesus, we have confidence to enter. So we're going to read verse 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opens to us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. What, what this gives us is confidence to draw near to God. This isn't some fake ID to give you access somewhere where maybe you should or shouldn't be. This isn't, uh, this, God isn't fooled by who you are. He accepts you because of Christ, because of Jesus. By Jesus' blood and by Jesus' body, we have access to God. And not only that, but Jesus is himself our advocate. He is our priest, the one who brings us into right relationship with God. He represents us to God and God to us. So this leads us to the first let us. Let us. Let us draw near to God. Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with pure water. You are already known by God, but because God wants you to know him too, he has given you access to his very presence through Jesus. How do we take advantage of this access? You draw near to him, to experience him, to know him, to be with him, to learn from him, to have fellowship with him, to worship him, to enjoy him, to be alive in him. What does this look like? Well, for, maybe there's some of you, either you're listening online or you're here and you're not familiar coming to church or you're new to this Christian thing. If you've never tried to draw near to God, it looks something like this. First, you admit that you can't access God because of your own goodness. And there's a sort of giving up in this. It's a turning away from trying to make your life work apart from God. Then you trust the goodness of Jesus and the sufficiency of his gift, the gift of himself for you in exchange for you. And then you ask him to give you faith to believe, hope for the future, and to fill you with his love. And from that day on, you don't have to live life on your own. You've woken up to the presence of God with you. And then you start listening for his voice in your daily life. You give him permission to guide you and lead you. You give him veto rights. And trust me, your life will begin to change. Some people change very quickly, very radically, and for others, it takes more time. But what you will find if you decided to trust in Jesus, you'll find that your desires begin to change. The things of the world, which kept your hunger at bay, you realize it's like chewing on leather or filling up on candy. I've got kids, I know. Uh, they fill up on candy a lot. Um, but in, it, instead, what we need, we need, a, 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 there's a family right now who's waiting for you to sit down with them for a steak dinner. It's that different. So uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time, uh, as long as you can remember, right, Tom? Yeah, okay. Um, if you've been a Christian as long as you can remember, perhaps drawing near to God means remembering again that he is enough for you and having a conversation with him and inviting him again into your daily life and carving out time to be with him because you can be with him. Maybe for some, it's beginning to practice spiritual disciplines like silence and solitude or intentionally going to the Bible to discover and rediscover who this God is who loves you and gave himself for you. All right, and now we make our way to the second of the three lettuces. Let us hold to hope. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hope motivates us to action. It tells us we have nothing to lose, because as we just sang, Death is dead and Christ is risen. We have hope that although Jesus told us that in this world we will have trouble, we can indeed take heart because he has overcome the world. He has overcome the powers of darkness. Nothing can separate you from his love. We have hope that he does not abandon us and we have hope that he will see us through whatever hardship he allows. Even when you are walking through the shadow-filled valley, where both real and imagined dangers are lurking in the darkness. God is there with you to lead you and to guide you. Hope looks like this. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, hope is compared to an anchor. The author of Hebrews writes, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, 
it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In 1 Peter, uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, he also talks about hope when he says this in chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And maybe you are facing a trial right now. And if you are, please know that God has not abandoned you. He is with you. He is for you. Hold to this hope. So now I want to look at the third lettuce of Hebrews 10. Let us encourage one another. While drawing near to God and holding on to hope can happen in isolation, just you and God, it's not meant to be this way. God did design you for a relationship with him, but the triune God is a relational God, and he has designed you for relationships with others as well. The phrase, it is not good for man to be alone, does not only apply to those seeking a spouse. It points to the reality that we are all created to be woven into a healthy, interdependent community. So verse 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Wednesdays are one of my church days. Tyler and I often spend a number of hours together here in this space getting things ready for Sunday. At the same time we are doing that, the food pantry volunteers are helping to make food accessible to the community. What they are doing is real worship and service to God. I think this is a great example of spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. They help each other to, to help others and to love others. And they seem to have a pretty good time doing it. So let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching here refers to the day when Christ will return. And while it would be easy to say that this verse clearly says we need to gather in person, no excuses, I am not willing to take that sort of hardline stance. I'm delighted that we can use technology for good, helping people who don't yet feel safe to gather in person or people who are traveling or who have transitioned and are between churches at this time. The online service is a great way to catch up on what's going on here. I think that's great. But I will say, if you're relying on this one service every week uh, for the bulk of your spiritual diet, I beg you to add some of this particular lettuce to your diet. Somehow, whether it's a small group over Zoom or regular phone calls with a trusted friend, somehow we all need to be finding ways to encourage one another. We are not meant to do this Christian life on our own. So, in conclusion, we've looked at three different lettuces from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near to God because Jesus has made a way for us. Let us hold fast to hope this hope calls us to action because we believe that our God is ultimately the one in control. Let us encourage one another. The Christian life is not a solo sport. We need each other and we are better together. And so what is your takeaway here? This is a brief message this morning, but what is your takeaway? If you could do one thing 
Within the next 24 hours to move forward in creating or cultivating one of these three habits of the heart, what might it be? Which one would you pick? Draw near to God. Hold on to hope. Encourage one another. How might you practice drawing near to God, holding on to hope, or encouraging one another today, this week? Play it out for a minute. What would it look like to do that thing you're thinking of today, tomorrow, maybe a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, a decade from now? What sort of difference might it make in your life? One idea with habits, uh, I had a young life leader and he would always end with something like, while you're brushing your teeth tonight, think about this. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a, uh, the practice of habit building, habit formation. One key to that, I've been told, is to attach it to existing habits in your life. So maybe it is when you're brushing your teeth or somehow in your morning routine or bedtime routine. For, for us, you know, one of the habits that we've uh, cultivated, not intentionally, but when we bring the kids down to the bus stop, we get the newspaper. That's just what we do. It's a habit we've created. But what is an existing habit that you can attach it to? So think of that for a second. The habit you're thinking of, what is an existing habit that you can attach it to? My hope here is that God, by his grace, would continue to strengthen us as individuals and as a community to throw out those idols that we're drawn to. As we practice these three heart-healthy habits, there will be less room for them anyway. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.